Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Self-Care. I'm Jen, the founder of Mind Body Whole Wellness. Here on this episode 6 of Freedom Through Self-Care to talk about the chemistry of emotions and pain as well as getting into um, two more patterns in our in our motor system, in our postural habits, called the first one is the senile posture or the old age posture, as well as the dark vice. So these are some of the things I'm going to talk about today. Hopefully, I can get it all in in less than an hour. Um, just a continuation of this education into somatics, somatic theory, and methodology, and this really disputing the age or the myth of aging. So last week we talked about the science of pain or understanding the science of pain in the physical body and how the body's nervous system sends and, re and receives those pain signals from our central nervous system in the brain and the spinal cord to the peripheral nervous system through those outlying nerves that connect um, our extremities that give and receive signals from our sensory world and how that perception of pain works. So this week I want to get into the chemistry of pain and what parts of the brain are controlling those uh, sensations of pain. Um, so this aspect of the brain I'm talking about is our limbic system and it is um, located deep inside, well it's a number of components of the brain, um, the main ones being the amygdala, um, which is the body's watchtower or guard tower. So you, when you think about um, us as beings that are trying to survive um, from an evolutionary standpoint, we are always scanning the environment for threats, for threats and opportunities. So the amygdala is this little almond-shaped um, organ inside of the central brain that is um, responsible for our fight or flight, fight, flight, or, or freeze responses of that sympathetic nervous system that I talked about last week. So the amygdala is, is sending or is receiving signals um, from a number of systems of the body through our eyes, through our nerves, um, and but it's also tied to our memory centers in the brain. Um, it's tied to the thalamus which is the switchboard between our sensory input and that amygdala that is the watchtower for our fight or flight system. You have the prefrontal cortex, which is the decision maker, our, that frontal area of the brain where our learning um, center is. Um, so when we're talking about these reflex patterns, our reflex patterns, green or red light front or back line of the body, um, it's when these learned motor patterns have been taken to the subcortex. So when we're talking about somatic re-education, we're taking those um, automatic reflexes that have been put to the subcortex to conserve energy and we're bringing them back to the prefrontal cortex and re-educating the brain to have conscious control. With the chemistry of pain, the prefrontal cortex is uh, the decision maker. So it is gonna be the one that decides what to do once those threat responses have been received by the amygdala. Uh, the hypothalamus is also involved 
it's going to be the little um, piece of the brain that signals the hormone response that is appropriate to whatever the senses have taken in. So if you see a lion uh, and you need to run away or you need to fight, that hypothalamus is going to signal the glands in the body, particularly the pituitary glands and the adrenal glands, to start creating um, cortisol and adrenaline to get the prepare the body for fight or flight. So to increase those stress hormones, increase heart rate, blood flow, blood pressure, so that the body can respond appropriately to the threat. Our limbic system, composed of these these pieces, this prefrontal cortex and all the parts I discussed, are really the emotional center of our brains. They control mood, memory, behavior, decision making. And there's a different stress or sorry, different emotional response or a different hormonal response. So when I talk about emotions, emotions are really just as a result of the hormone response. Um, of our nervous system. So whether we're responding to threat or we're responding to um, being in our parasympathetic set nervous system where we can rest and relax and digest, the body is signaling or the brain is signaling those glands, pituitary gland, uh, adrenal gland, um, pineal gland, all those glands are that are controlling our hormone function are really regulating our mood and emotions. And so when that fight or flight is activated, that central nervous system, we are having um, hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, like I talked about, um, glucocorticoids, which get released by the pituitary gland, and they suppress the immune system function. So like I had talked about in previous weeks, when we are in a when we're in chronic or long-term fight or flight, where we've developed this hypervigilance that we can't shut off, um, these uh, neuroreceptor, sorry, neurotransmitters that are transmitting the signals through the nervous system, this gluco glucocorticoids are suppressing the immune system to preserve that the energy so that it can be re redirected to that fight or flight response which is great short-term in acute real threat situations, but when this is happening day-to-day -day, over time and we're never giving our bodies that reset to go into the parasympathetic system, that rest, relax, digest, and heal, this long-term um, hormone response is causing long-term emotional response as well. Um, the sympathetic nervous system is also releasing endorphins, epinephrine, um, the hormones that reduce the pain response or pain sensation in the body and increase all those bodily functions that are required to uh, respond to threat. On the other hand, when we can get into the parasympathetic nervous system, our body will signal a release of things like oxytocin, which are related to arousal, dopamine, which is our reward response, uh, serotonin, what we call the happy hormone, um, and GABA, which is, helps us relax, all controlled also by that pituitary gland. But when we can't give our bodies that opportunity to get into that rest, response, and heal area of our nervous system, of our parasympathetic nervous system, um, this long-term stress hormone response in the body um, starts to contribute towards things like anxiety, um, depression, 
Um, when we're looking at PTSD, PTSD is, a, is, an, is actually an anxiety condition that is a combination of stress, uh, memory, and pain. So with anxiety, anxiety increases our experience of pain um, from an increase in anticipation and reactivity to pain. Then when we look at depression, depression increases our experience of pain by increasing the negative emotional reactions to pain. So in either case, you have this long-term um, sympathetic nervous system activation in the body that never has a chance to reset itself. So when the body is constantly in that state, it is constantly calling, the limbic system is calling for more of that stress hormone production, which is in essence the seat of our emotions. So unless we can give ourselves that opportunity um, to come back to balance, um, to take rest, then this cycle of uh, threat response and hormone response is just keeps getting more and more chronic. So this is really the chemistry, the chemistry of emotions and pain and how the physical pain response or perceived threat response uh, turns into hormones and which turns into our physical response in our bodies to that threat response. And this is where that limbic system, which has relayed a threat, a threat signal to the body, increase the stress hormones, which also increases muscle tension in the body. And this is where we get into those uh, somatic reflex patterns of green light, red light. Today we're going to talk about senile posture and dark vice, and next week we'll talk about trauma. These are all the different patterns uh, that our, our muscular system takes on to respond to those threats. So when we talked about in the first week, green light response being that action response or fight response, turning all the tension on in the backline muscles to propel us forward into action. And then the flight response or withdrawal response is when the frontline muscles turn on to protect our visceral organs, to protect our heart and lungs, to withdraw away from the threat. So all of these, the chemistry in the brain and the emotions and the hormones are relating to our physical structure. So to think that our emotions are responsible for our physical pain, to me is pretty obvious when we look at it from, from the aspect of the limbic brain and the chemistry of hormones. They are tied, they are what are signaling the muscles to get tight in the first place. So if we can, we can come at this from two different perspectives, we can treat the muscle tension in the body um, or we can treat that threat response in the, in the mind. Ideally, we want to work with both because they go hand in hand and they in turn affect each other. So if we can um, give ourselves tools to um, adapt better to stress so that the, the, we're giving the body a chance to come out of the threat response and that once we're in a rest, relax, digest response of that parasympathetic nervous system, then we can co connect inward with the body, with the muscular system, and start to re-educate those tight muscles and help remind them that they can release and soften. Which brings me to today's patterns of neuromuscular stress, the senile posture and the dark vice. Senile posture is... Um, a number of different postures that we would normally attribute to um, to elderly population. So you have that the classic image of 
um, an elderly person walking with a cane. Their shoulders are hunched forward. Their, their front of the line of the body is, it can be um, compressed like red light. So when we're talking about senile posture, uh, it's really that whole myth of aging that we are eventually, we just get shorter, we get uh, less mobile, we experience more pain. And that is as a result of those two different reflex patterns, uh, red and green, or the fight or flight responses, um, frontline muscle contraction and backline muscle contraction over time building up. And we don't just experience one, we may have one stronger pattern that is tied to what we did for a living for our whole lives or our repetitive motor patterns. But over time and as we age, both patterns are working in our body. So literally shackling down the body. When you think of tightening all those frontline muscles, if you have tight abs, tight upper chest muscles, and then you also have tight back muscles, back shoulder muscles, all of that muscle tension is shackling down the rib cage compressing the spine, which is why over time we start to lose inches in our height versus when we are in our 20s. And this isn't just a natural process of aging, it's not inevitable. It can be educated, it is reversible, it is um, avoidable. So that is the beauty of somatic education is that we can use daily practices to maintain a conscious connection to that sensory motor loop and that when we're when after we're done doing repeated repetitive activities that may bring us muscle tension that we have the tools to recalibrate and reset ourselves back to this muscular freedom and that we don't have to accept this myth of aging this lack of mobility and freedom and, and strength and stability we can prioritize our wellness our self-care our freedom in our physical bodies by learning these tools to stay educated in our in our own bodies. So we have the senile posture, this locking down of both of those reflexes, green and red in the body, and they can cause a number of different pathologies that we, or issues that, or problems that we attribute to this aging process. Um, number one, be stiff and limited movement. Uh, when that red and light literally imprisons the body, it, it starts re even restricting our walking pattern so that we lose the ability to have a free stride. The arms no longer swing or we might walk in a kind of like a bear walk where we're, the arms and, moves, arms and legs are moving in tandem rather than in opposite to each other. We have a chronic pain, and chronic pain is being experienced because those muscles are always generating the exhaust of contraction. Uh, when there's not enough oxygen in the system, like I spoke to last week, we have a, a situation for anaerobic um, activity from the muscles, so lactic acid is being produced and it's not being pushed out of the body or cleared out of the body um, quickly enough because the muscle never turns off fully. So you have this lactic acid sitting on that nerve endings and being perceived as, as pain. And these tight muscles are always drawing energy. To, to bring a muscle into contraction requires energy at a cellular level. So when those muscles are staying tight, especially with chronic pain, you know, in those 20 to 40% contraction 24 hours a day, even when you're sleeping, you're contributing to chronic fatigue in the body. 
And that's why when you wake up in the morning and you're sore and you're stiff and you're like, why am I still sore? I just slept for eight hours. Because those muscles, even though you're sleeping, are still staying in contraction, still creating lactic acid, still contributing to the pain and the energy use um, needs in your body, even when you're sleeping. And so you have that pulling down tension, that opposing patterns. Every muscle in the body um, has its op opposing muscle. So you have your antagonist and your, protag uh, your, your protagonist. So the bicep has the tricep. So to come into a bicep curl, we engage the bicep and then relax. And we can also bring the arm backward by engaging the tricep so that every action in our body has an opposite movement and an opposing muscle to help it do that movement. But when both get turned on at the same time, then we have um, then we have a static muscle contraction versus um, a dynamic. And so dynamic, think about squeezing an orange in your hand, and the orange has some give to it. So you have that dynamic contraction; each pushes up against each other. But then picture squeezing a hard ball, and there is no give to that. So when we're just engaging those muscles against um, something that doesn't give, that creates static muscle contraction. And when we have the combination of these patterns shackling down both the front and back lines of the body, we create static contraction, which sharply increases blood pressure, chronic high blood pressure, chronic uh, pressure to, um, to the heart, to the circulatory system. So this is another one of those myths of aging where we, we naturally contribute heart disease and stroke as just inevitable um, ailments of growing older when really it's because these opposing uh, motor patterns in our body are the opposing stress responses that we all over our lives as we age are responding to constant ongoing um, good stress and bad stress. Um, our bodies start to get tight and this shackling down of the rib cage causes this static contraction in the body, elevates the blood pressure. Um, and then it also can contribute to negative self-image. When you're in, um, when you can't do the things that you normally could do, when you're in pain every day, when you have no energy, um, when you have low oxygen because that rib cage is restricted, you're getting, you have an inefficient breathing pattern and I'll speak to some breath holding patterns right after this, um, all contributes to this general unwell feeling. Um, and then you start to lose your joy for life when, you, when you're not enjoying, when you don't have the ability to have freedom and mobility and move your bodies to do the things that you love doing. So some of the breath holding patterns that we see as a result of this chronic muscle tension or this um, whether it's related to any of any or each of these patterns, we have reverse breathing. And a normal breath, when you inhale, your belly should rise. The respiratory diaphragm should dip down into the belly. The rib cage should expand. That diaphragm draws down into the internal organs to increase the capacity beneath the rib cage for the lungs to expand. So you should experience an outward expansion of the belly on an inhale, and then the belly collapses and falls on the exhale. With reverse breathing, we're, using, we're usually holding some um, abdominal tension because that 
flight response is subtly engaged all the time. So when the abdominals are held tight, then that really restricts the ability for that respiratory diaphragm to dip down and fully oxygenate the lung capacity. Um, also when those abdominals are tight, then we, we come into our secondary respiratory muscles in the chest, the upper chest and neck, and we, we just start breathing with those muscles instead of being able to allow that diaphragm to fully breathe the body, um, sending oxygen, um, palpating the organs, helping with digestion. Um, or then we can have a collapsed breath where, and the, we typically see this in um, people who are depressed or, you know, have shut themselves off in some form from the world and shoulders are hunched forward and the belly is really soft and loose and the, it's the, the body is still not being able to breathe itself because of the collapsed posture. And then, uh, fourthly, we have hyperventilation. And this happens, again, because we've restricted that respiratory diaphragm's ability to fully open and come into the abdominal cavity. And shallow breathing results in lower oxygen levels in the body. So headaches could be a common um, common result of that. A general feeling of dis-ease in the body. Um, and so we have to increase our breathing rate in order to compensate for that lack of oxygen. So normally we should be in the range of about 13 uh, breaths per minute. Um, but when we're not fully oxygenating the body, using the full expansion of our primary respiratory muscle, which is the diaphragm, um, then we have to compensate by chest breathing or uh, by hyperventilating, increasing our rate of breath to make up for that lack of oxygen in the body. The last thing I want to talk about today is um, something that is really prevalent in our society, and that's low back pain. I touched on this last week when I talked about the CO pathology that of a correctional officer, just because that is something that I so strongly can relate to, is this uh, muscle pattern of low back pain, pain in the, in the glutes or in the buttocks, uh, behind the shoulders. And from the somatic posture, uh, we have um, we call the archer's bow. When we think of that low back piece of the spine, the lumbar spine, how it connects to the pelvis and the sacrum, we have this strongly engaged green light reflex or the muscles of the, um, of the back line. We have the QL, the extensors that come into chronic tension being held tight all day, all night, which increases the curvature of the low back spine. And when you look, when you compare a curved line to a straight line, obviously a, a curved line is shorter. So the more contraction that comes into those muscles, the extensors, the QL, um, the more pronounced that low back curvature becomes. And so although a natural gentle curve is something that we need to maintain structural integrity of our spine, when the curves start to exceed their natural range, this shortens and compresses the, um, the discs in between the vertebrae. And that disc compression starts to send, um, especially in green line, so we're compressing, the discs are being forced posteriorly or towards the back side of our body, compressing against nerves, um, causing nerve inflammation, 
causing chronic pain, shooting pain, especially when we're talking about the lower lumbar vertebrae, L4, L5, and you're getting into that area where the sciatic nerve is exiting, um, exiting the spinal column and coming into the glutes, traveling down through the legs. Um, so if you've ever experienced sciatic pain, this long-term chronic back tension um, is compressing that low back spinal curvature, pushing discs out into nerves, um, irritating the nerves and causing this shooting pain in the body. And what typically we get told by friends or relatives or health professionals is, oh, you have a tight back, it just means your abs are weak. You have to strengthen your abs or you have to uh, stretch out your back. And I talked about stretching being... Um, not being productive in helping this tight muscle response because we're forcing that elastic band beyond where it naturally wants to go. So with somatic re-education, we're getting really conscious and we're going mindfully into contraction and then releasing out of it so that we're bringing that um, unconscious motor pattern from the subcortex back to the prefrontal cortex where the brain can remember that it has conscious control of that muscle and then relearn that it can use the full length of the muscle and that the muscle can actually relax. So in, um, so it's not a problem of tighten up your gut. It's not a problem of strength or stretching your back. In 99% of the cases of low back pain, um, the pain is located in those muscles, the QL, the erector, the erector spinae group, that are connecting the spine and the rib cage to the back of the pelvis. So the pain is either going to be in the lower back or in the pelvis or both. Um, sometimes it's one-sided, which can be contributed to handedness, and I'll get into that next week. Um, but the muscles are painful for a single reason. Excessive contraction caused by the green light reflex. That being said, this is not an inevitable condition that we have to live with. It is re-educatable. We can learn tools through somatic re-education to release that long-term chronic muscle tension. You can go to a soma yoga th therapy class. You could go to a private yoga therapy session. Um, and then, so ideally, you want to have a daily home practice that you can do. So once you learn where your tension patterns are, what your reflex patterns are, learning the tools to release out of those patterns, and then having a daily maintenance practice um, that helps address the repetitive motor patterns that you are putting your body through on a day-to-day -day basis. So just like for our threat response, we need that daily reset, that daily invitation to come into our parasympathetic nervous system to shut off the fight-or-flight response. In our physical bodies, we need a daily invitation and space to come in, check in with that musculature, remind the brain that it can relax those muscles. And so I just want to finish here speaking to the difference between yoga therapy, particularly somatic, somatic education-based yoga therapy is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about hot yoga. Nothing wrong with hot yoga. That's If you want an exercise class, fantastic. Um, but so somatic re-education yoga therapy versus traditional yoga classes. 
and I'm going to get into over the next coming weeks what to expect during a uh, yoga therapy session, um, what the long-term goals are, how to keep yourself out of pain long-term. But just to end with today, the difference between soma yoga and traditional yoga. Uh, soma yoga is obviously the goal is to re-educate the nervous system, to remind the brain that it has conscious control of the muscles. Uh, we're using, we're blending therapeutic yoga practices. We're using props, things like bolsters, therabands, very much like you would find in physiotherapy, uh, working with some range of motion, working with stability and strength and mobility. Um, but the movement is subtler. So students who come to my classes, typically, I know, first experience um, a feeling that we're really not doing very much movement. And the truth is that we're not. The slow conscious contraction coming into using a muscle and relaxing it is a lot of brain work. It takes a lot of concentrated focus to move that motor pattern from the subcortex back to the prefrontal cortex so the brain can um, re-establish that sensory motor pathway through the nervous system and that the muscle can relax fully. So we're doing pandiculation versus stretching. Like I said before, we're not forcing the muscle um, to lengthen. So we're not, we're not engaging in a stretch. We're using pandiculation, so we're coming consciously into a contraction and then slowly and controlling, keeping the brain focused on the full length of the release all the way out. We're using self-sensing and interoception. Interoception is a fancy word for um, the view that you have from the inside. So how you see the internal landscape of you. Only you can tell me if you have a sore stomach. Only you can tell me if you feel nerve pain in your low back. I can't see it myself from a third person looking at you. Um, so we want, we need to create that space in a quiet environment to go inward and sense from the inside out our somatic body, that perspective, that first person perspective that only we have. So we're using that self-sensing versus a traditional yoga class where you're watching the teacher and you're trying to do what they do. So we're really, we're tuning into ourselves. Most of a somatic yoga class or session you can do with your eyes closed. Um, you're not watching the teacher. You're self-sensing. You're showing up with a curiosity, noticing which patterns and where you're carrying those stress responses in your body today, and it changes day to day. And then you're using the tools to address the things that you find in your own body. And that's what's beautiful about a private session is that you can really gain the, the tools that you need for your specific uh, pain in your body or your specific motor patterns um, that help release out of um, the years of tension that you have built up in those specific areas that give you challenge. So yoga therapy, soma yoga, somatic re-education is really intentional versus rote. Uh, rote being a, a departure uh, from the sensory motor loop. So just letting it go back to the unconscious. Um, like kids playing Simon Says where you're just doing what the leader is doing. You're, you don't really have to think about it. Somatic re-education is going inward and really being 
intentional and focused on what your muscles are doing and how much control do you have when the muscle is doing the slowest contraction and release that you can imagine. So it really becomes a work in. It is not at all a workout. It is not at all about getting cardio or getting exercise or um, that kind of um, exercise for caloric expenditure is not the idea of yoga therapy or somatic education. We're really tuning into our bodies um, so that we can learn those tools to auto-correct those years of long-held motor patterns that are no longer serving us on a 24-hour day-to-day basis. So that is the good news. The good news that all of these um, myths of aging, these um, things that we are taught just naturally happen to us, uh, losing height, losing mobility, waking up in pain, just getting you know, more sore as we get older, they are really myths. And the Western um, medical system really doesn't address what the root causes are. The medical system is fantastic for acute care. Great if you get an accident, if you uh, completely sever you know, a tendon or a ligament and you need surgery or you have a broken bone, amazing. But when it comes to proactive caring for our wellness, um, when we come to uh, a doctor, we're really coming from a place where we're, we're already in pain. And so we, ha- and they're really limited in the options that they can give you. They'll give you um, medicine, which is great for short-term acute pain, especially when you're recovering from injury. Um, you know, they could refer you to treatment. They could give you an injection to um, help slow or prevent that nerve from sending the pain response from the extremity to the brain, so like numbing out the pain, or surgery, uh, which is also um, a response to that pain in the body. So where the medical, Western medicine is really looking at addressing uh, or numbing, stopping the pain, yoga therapy is looking at what is the root cause and how can I address that root cause? So when we're looking at the muscular system and chronic muscle pain, instead of just numbing the nerve and stopping the ability for the nerve to transfer that pain signal to the brain, we are actually relieving the tension in the tight muscles that are um, signaling the nerves for that pain response in the first place. When we can relieve chronic long-term muscle contraction, let the muscle relax, it stops creating the exhaust of contraction. That lactic acid can be flushed out of the body, the muscle can return to 0% tonus when it's not being used, like it is is natural state. And we have freedom and mobility in our bodies again. So I just want to encourage you that if you are in chronic pain, or you're approaching middle age, or you are looking for proactive ways to maintain freedom in your physical body. You're looking for tools to um, build resiliency in that stress response in the body, to be able to switch back skillfully from fight or flight to rest, relax, digest, and heal. That yoga therapy, somatic re-education are amazing tools that you can use yourself to autocorrect 
So you're not going externally for somebody to fix you or to numb out the pain, that you can actually take this whole being, full body, somatic um, control back. You can help yourself. You can heal yourself. You can maintain freedom in your body. Um, if you're at a place where you want to be self-responsible for your wellness. So I hope that is the case for you. And I just want to encourage you that if you are stuck in long-term chronic pain, that there are options for you uh, if um, drugs, medication, injections, surgery is not something that you are ready to go to. And there is a time and a place for those methods, even though they are more invasive. Um, but I just want to encourage you before you consider that, to know that there are, is a host of other options um, before those long-term muscle patterns turn into things that are structural that may need more invasive interventions. Um, it is my hope to start educating the medical community on these other options so that as medical professionals, um, there are more options to give to people proactively so that we're not... Um, subscribing to the sheep mentality of just um, waiting for things, waiting for life to happen to us and then having to go to somebody else to fix us. We are the creators of our own of our own lives, of our own realms. We are the creative power of our lives and we also have the innate gift to maintain educated in our bodies and in our minds and have conscious control of both of those functions. We are amazing creatures with these advanced nervous systems and brain function and, and body systems. So I really just want to encourage you and educate you that there is so much potential there for you in maintaining your own wellness proactively. So feel free to reach out with any questions. You can go to mindbodywholewellness.com, read my blog, subscribe to the podcast, reach out. You can go to yogaalliance.com if you're looking for a trained somatic um, teacher. You can go to iayt.org, which is the International Association of Yoga Therapists, if you are looking for a a registered somatic education specialist or a soma yoga therapist. All great. Um, find yourself somebody who specializes in, in somatic yoga. Um, it has brought me so much freedom in my body. Um, coming back from a place where I would be in bed for two weeks on muscle relaxants and um, mixing in there some other things so, so just so that I could stand to be awake with that level of pain. So know that there are options, there are ways to come back from that, and there are ways to prevent having to get to that place. So feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, education is all I'm about. If you would like me to come and speak for a group, or come and educate um, your workplace, or you have a Anybody who you know who is influential in spreading the education piece that there are other options, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. Have a wonderful day. All the best and cheers to your self-care and your wellness. Take care.